Has it been three days? Tis true, Peter. Time does fly. And so do you, I see. How did you ever manage to fit into those smashing tights again, Peter? <laughs> Hand over my son now, and you and your men may go free. Why don't you ask the lad yourself, Jack? Someone to see you. Son. Kink. Say it, Peter. Say it and mean it. I believe in fairies. You know that place between sleep and awake? That place where you still remember dreaming? That's where I'll always love you. Peter Pan. That's where I'll be waiting. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 59, Hook. So we have a lot of material to cover on this one. Pages and pages of notes. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought that this... uh, (laughs) Would inspire such, (laughs) I mean, days of conversation between us at this point. This nearly 30-year-old children's movie directed by Steven Spielberg would possibly be one of our longer episodes but who knows we just hit record and then we go i mean i don't want to make too many predictions yeah and then at the end it's like oh it's an hour and eight minutes (laughs) it's 40 minutes (laughs) (laughs) um before we go any further uh i just want to mention that next week's episode episode number 60 will probably be a day or so late i would say yeah just a little heads Look up. Look for it by Tuesday, I would say. We're not taking a break next week. It just The episode will be a little late. Just keep that in mind. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, going forward, we've got a lot of stuff in the works. Yeah, I mean, the amount of time that I just pour over the schedule. <laughs> like, it's something... <laughs> so, like, Constantly A, that it's being something reworked. important, yeah. and B, that it won't just change again oh, the next well, day. Yeah, I like when you hand it to me to read, and I'm always like, well... This is probably going to be something that you work on uh, three days from now. But I will say this. When I look at some of the old schedules that I wrote, a lot of the ones that I put projected, we do get to them. And you were like, what was I thinking? <laughs> no, I mean, we do get to them. Yeah. That's the thing. Right. Like, I think um, this doing a Sopranos episode was something that was probably in the original like 25 oh, yeah. episode wow. schedule. You and got- then you know we finally got to it. Right. There's a that couple that... I'm not even gonna. I don't want to reveal what they are, but there's a couple of topics that have been on the schedule now since I don't know the first iteration of the schedule. Yeah, that just got bumped and bumped and bumped, and we still haven't. Oh yeah, 
As some of those things that we talked about in like the first, like early conversations of like what. Well, those we're not gonna do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe some of them. Okay, I don't know. There was a certain like Disney Channel original movie double. Yeah, I wanted to do a double feature of them. (laughs) Yeah, but one of them we were gonna have to watch on YouTube. Okay, (laughs) so that's a tease. That still could happen. Yeah, although I'm pretty sure the other one isn't on. Netflix anymore. I feel like those two are in our wheelhouse of like what we're best at. Yeah, well, A, we probably can't do a double feature anymore, and B, like I said, the one that we're really thinking of, that one isn't even on Netflix, so... Alright, well, okay. I don't know, maybe it's on We'll figure it out, yeah. (laughs) Um, Follow the show on Twitter, at GreatestPod, and subscribe on iTunes, and you know, continue to uh, spread the word, but... um, for now, we're going to talk about, we're going to take another little uh, stroll down Nostalgia Lane, which we sometimes like to do. <laughs> yeah. I've revisit. Usually not on the show, but. <laughs> revisit uh, important films from our childhood. Oh, yeah. Childhoods. Yeah, I remember watching Hook seemingly dozens of times. Yeah, it's one of those, it's one of the movies I remember from being a kid. I mean, it's not like quite on the level of D2 Mighty Ducks but I mean there's like an, a tier below that with like Jumanji I mean just movies that I, I saw a lot as a kid this is in that category yeah I think I think Jumanji probably was a little late for me as far as like that rewatching a million times phase but yeah um, so for those of you you know who for some reason don't know what Hook is it's what? a uh <laughs> 1991 Steven Spielberg film through Disney. It serves as kind of a sequel to J.M. Barry's 1911 novel Peter and Wendy. It's basically a continuation of the original Peter Pan story, uh, kind of posing the question of what if Peter Pan grew up? Now, even happen? sitting here years removed from this movie, I still think the concept is cool. Yeah, you would think that this is like a guaranteed winner. I mean, you have a prized Disney property with the original cartoon, but at that point, by the you know late '80s, early '90s, it was pretty old. Um, you can reintroduce the Peter Pan mythos to a whole new generation. Right, and you have Steven Spielberg in the mix. You end up getting Dustin Hoffman and Robin Williams and Julia Roberts all to sign on. I mean, this seems like a home run type situation. Yeah, they're able to throw in all the references to like the uh, whatever you want, whatever the animated movie, the old play with the chick playing Peter Pan. <laughs> like, they just throw in these little like nods to those works. This was something that. Spielberg was interested in getting involved in as early as 85-ish, even maybe earlier than that. Uh, They were originally, (laughs) to just give you an indication of how things change in a short amount of time, they were originally talking about doing a musical movie with uh, Michael Jackson as the adult Peter Pan. Yeah, I don't feel like that would be looked upon fondly these days. <laughs> yeah, God... A lot of weird connections, I think, would be made there. God only knows what would have happened if that would have actually gotten made back in, like, the mid-80s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, they <coughs> they ended up with uh, Robin Williams in the role. I think at one point, Kevin Klein was supposed to do it, and then he ended up oh, having wow. to do some reshoots or something for... 
What was soap he dish or something. Then? I don't. I don't oh. know what. Movie. A fish called Wanda. <laughs> so we begin the movie with uh, Peter Banning, <laughs> a forty-something-ish uh, corporate lawyer workaholic living in San Francisco with his wife Mora, his two kids Jack, who's about eleven, and Maggie, who's about seven. And right off the bat, you know, we're kind of given the, oh, you know, cats in the cradle type. Yeah. Situation here. He's, he's too busy for his kids. Super successful, but a uh, lawyer working on some major deal, although we don't really get any of the details as to what's going on, right? There seems to be like a lot riding on this current deal. Yeah, but you kind of have the feeling that it's... It's always some It's deal. always yeah. one thing after right. another yeah. thing after another thing. And he's, you know, got an early cell phone that never stops ringing. Oh, he's very skilled with the cell phone. And he manages to make it to... Uh, Maggie's play where she is doing a you know grade school production yeah. a of lot of Peter meta Pan. things going on here and she's playing Wendy who you know come to find out is her great grandmother but even during the play itself you know Peter's answering his cell phone not really oh. paying attention yeah, just being a complete ass <laughs> but the next day is his son Jack's big important baseball game and this cell phone that the cell phone call that he takes during the play kind of leads to him having to go to a meeting the next day now the entire family has generic blue hats for the team which i always think is (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean merchandising some i would say that some corners were cut especially when it comes to the uh baseball uniforms (laughs) (laughs) Um, you kind of get the impression maybe Spielberg, not the biggest sports fan ever. Uh, you could probably say that. Yeah. (laughs) So inevitably Peter misses Jack's game because he gets caught up in another meeting. This is devastating to Jack. Yeah. It kind of leads to some early resentment between father and son. And I think, um, you know, reading some Spielberg quotes, I think this is kind of where he saw the entry point for the movie for himself. he This is, like, something he wanted to address. Unfortunately, I would say it's one of the more, like, heavy-handed kind of parts of the movie for me. It's it's a little over the top, like, the tension between Peter and Jack. It's, uh... And, of course... Annoying, this, I would say. It kind of gets, you know, highlighted later in the film, for, you know, through the events of the movie, but, like... Even this early part of the film, it's kind of just like, could Jack be anyone? They literally (laughs) have Jack draw a picture of his family in the airplane, a plane going down on fire. Uh, Every member of his family in the picture depicted with a parachute, except for his father. (laughs) That's the level of hate that we're talking about. (laughs) Um, Although I will say, when he's like throwing the baseball in the plane, I think there needs to be some... Some sort of punishment going on. <laughs> <laughs> that kid is out of control. <laughs> yeah, they are flying to London to visit Maura's grandmother, Wendy, who is going to be honored uh, for Wendy's lifelong charitable service. Now, Moira's a bit of a fox for an older lady. You would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> Tall drink of water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leggy. So... The family's on the plane. They they eventually uh, get to London. Maura's grandmother, uh, Wendy, she is played by Maggie Smith, who 
was 56 at the time that I know they filmed this stunning. and made to look 92. And it's very convincing It is looking. convincing because I watch it now and I'm like, I know Maggie Smith. She's in the Harry Potter movies. Uh, I know she's on that or was on that show, Downton Abbey or whatever. And it's like, it's hard. I feel like a couple times watching this now, I've had to like look it up to make sure because it's like, I'm like, there's no way. Whoever this chick is in Hook, she has to be dead. <laughs> Well, it goes to show you that sometimes makeup can be really good, and then other times, like Jagger, it can be like really bad. Yeah, um, uh, <laughs> there's probably some other areas of the film where the makeup slash effects probably fell short. Yeah. So, basically, uh, we're kind of like continuing with this, like as you point, as you said, very like meta feeling movie because in this universe that we're existing in. Wendy is the true pan creator, and theoretically, J.M. Barry, the the actual real life author of the novel, is like just a neighbor or friend that transcribed her stories. Um, this is something so that he gets the author credit for that. What's that? I mean, did, she doesn't get like a any sort of writing credit for that. I don't. Well, it's kind of ambiguous because yeah. is she getting royalties? For the Peter Pan story. That's what I want to know. Doesn't seem like it, but... She's well off either way, it seems. Again, it's kind of hard to navigate a lot of money the universe in, uh, that this is Raising orphans. In. Well, in real life, I think J.M. Barry willed the rights to Peter Pan to an actual hospital oh, for orphans. That's sweet. Um, so that's kind of, I guess, where it ties in, but... Um, when they arrive at her house, we, we kind of meet some of the peripheral characters. Uh, Liza, who is like a longtime family maid, who is in kind of other versions of Peter Pan, obviously as like a younger woman, I guess, at the time. I don't know. Just as a viewer of the movie, it's kind of hard to figure out what her role in all of this is. Yeah, and her age doesn't really make sense because theoretically she should be older than wendy it's weird because it's like <laughs> wendy her and i know you're gonna get to toodles but it's like they all just live together yeah i guess you could you have to wonder it's like why is toodles living at this house how many bedrooms <laughs> i mean those old people <laughs> and so like they're kind of just you know the fam uh the banning family is kind of uh imposing on Wendy's house obviously they Wendy wants them there she invites them every year and they never come but it's been 10 years the tension over Peter's job continues in front of like everybody basically and it's a huge scene and Mora ends up tossing his cell phone out the window at one point right now Moira uh is definitely a queen and I support her 100% in anything and (laughs) Peter is certainly this monster the way he treats his kids but it's like uh what's Moira doing for a career I don't see her working. It's like, I'm sure she's enjoying the life of luxury that the family is leading <laughs> at, you know, Peter's whole, like, lawyer slash, I guess, background in accounting. It's like, as honey, well. when I said you could go pick out a new car, you weren't looking at the Ford Tauruses. You didn't throw my cell phone sure. at one of them. <laughs> so, uh, I don't, I guess it's, is, is it the first night they're there? It doesn't really seem like it should be, but they have yeah. eventually Peter, they Mara, and Wendy. Right to, yeah, Wendy's event. Yeah, they, it's that charity dinner that was like basically honoring her. And while they're away, the kids are abducted 
Yeah. <laughs> from the house. Um, we don't actually see the abduction take place. No. Because it's kind of obviously wanting to build a little suspense. Well, we see like a prelude to it with uh, Toodles having some sort of bizarre seizure on the floor, barking like a dog, and then the barking t- turns into him saying, Hook. You remember this? Yeah. <laughs> and there's a, there is a part where... The the windows shake and like bust open or whatever. Well, yeah, before all that, when the parents are still there, Maggie references a scary man washing windows. Oh, yeah. I don't remember. Wait, what is that? She says that? Yeah. She talks... Cause oh, that's creepy. He says that, like, he t- that he stole something from them. Oh, wow. I can't remember what it was, but they go, where's your whatever and or something like that? And she's like, oh, the scary man took it and they're like what's scary Lord. and he's like the one washing windows and they're just like what are you talking about <laughs> you moron and i guess like you know we can kind of tie that in with something at the very end of the film maybe but i, I don't yeah. know that's a whole other can of worms at the, the very end of the film but, i don't even know how to explain that we'll get there when we get there but but yeah it seems like that was somehow tied in with this abduction that i guess that makes more sense although it makes it way more sinister kind of. yeah i know <laughs> and then just a little girl talking about a scary man washing the windows and taking something from the house. That's horrifying. <laughs> I'm glad that detail always went past me. All right. Yeah, we'll fire it up. We'll put it on after we're done recording <laughs> so we can relive that. Yeah. Uh, the only thing there is a note signed by, I want to say, J.A. Hook. Is that what it is? But then, yeah, and then like comma captain or something like that. Yeah, it's def it's J Hook, but I feel like there's another initial in there. Okay, I don't yeah. remember. I'm sure like anybody familiar with like Peter Pan is like, duh, it's obviously whatever his full name is because they probably say it. It's well, point. shut up, do your own podcast. <laughs> you know what? There's four pages of notes for this. Yeah, there's a lot to go over. We're gonna cover what we want to cover. <laughs> a lot happens, and we're not Peter Pan experts. Yeah, shockingly, <laughs> I tried to become one in about two hours today, but. The only, I mean, the parents are kind of just like, they see this note, they call the police, Phil Collins shows up. Oh, very distracting. <laughs> but like, they're kind of like in this state of shock. It's like, how could you let your kids just walk away? The only one who seems to like really know what's going on is Wendy. Yeah. Which, can we point out from this scene and the following scenes, the lack of panic that's going on amongst these well, adults. yeah, you mentioned this when we watched it. I kind of feel like that might be a, a bit unfair because it's like, I think their reaction is probably more normal than you would think. I just feel I like just don't know inconsolable. If, I would say that, like, yes, it'd be unlikely they'd be able to sleep, that kind of thing. But it's like, what are they going to do? I don't know. I just feel like they'd be like... I think maybe the initial reaction should have been a little more dramatic, but you don't keep that up. Okay. It just yeah. it just doesn't happen. Like you can't keep screaming and crying. <laughs> like well, and throwing not yourself on the crying, floor. But just kind of like numb to the world. Well, that's I felt like that's kind of how they were All acting. Right. Okay. I may have been harsh in my criticism. But Wendy takes Peter aside and now this is like the big reveal that it's all real. The stories are real. You are Peter Pan. We used to Yeah, and then she starts telling an him all sorts of sex stories from when they were younger. <laughs> It gets real pornographic yeah. real fast. Oh. And Peter's just like, Grandma? <laughs> Basically, Wendy's like, yeah, whenever I was a girl, you used to fly in the window, and I would go with you to Neverland, and eventually I had kids, 
and you stayed the same age. Still skipping over what seems to could what should be a lot of important details. It feels like yeah, because you don't really get a clear sense because it's kind of like oh yeah, you like also took my daughter. Yeah. And then you also, and then you eventually took my granddaughter. But then you decided that you love, you wanted to kiss her, and you stayed. Yeah, he just made his way through the whole family. <laughs> it it really it kind of is one of those things where it's like, all right, so you're gonna make this story that Peter ends up marrying Wendy's granddaughter. Okay, well now also the one in between never really in the mix in the movie. You know, Moira's mother, Wendy's daughter. Yeah, I mean, they kind of skimmed off a lot of the family tree. Like, we don't get any indication whether or not uh, Wendy's younger brothers were still alive or what they're doing. Yeah, that actually, even at a younger age, bothered me because they are referenced at some point. But it is weird. If you're a fan of the Disney animated movie, they're pretty big characters and they're not even addressed at all. Yeah, and then obviously there's a whole generation I in think, the middle. I think when I was younger, I thought Toodles was one of them. I thought he was supposed to be one of the brothers. Yeah, I think I I may have thought that at some point, too, because it doesn't seem that crazy to me. Because I think I just thought that, like, oh, yeah, he he's Wendy's crazy brother. <laughs> Actually, they both committed suicide yeah. separately <laughs> <laughs> years later. They couldn't live with themselves after being to Neverland. Obviously, like Peter has a hard time accepting this and doesn't believe it at first. But what I would, but what well, is really kind of and I would odd say, to me here is, what does Mora think about all this? Does she know? I don't know. I mean, it seems like she's should be more optimistic in her thought, or like I guess open minded about it. But I don't know. It's strange she's very because shut off the truth it. then is that Peter is also like ninety two years old, if not even older. Well, yeah, he's. Definitely older than Wendy. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, undetermined how right. old he could even be. But he'd never started aging until he stayed. Yeah. So, technically, him and Moira are, like, the same age range. Yeah, because as as they they kind of fool around with, like, Peter's age. But what was going on whenever he comes in and he's like, Oh, your granddaughter's very pretty. I would like to give her a kiss while she sleeps. Um, <laughs> and then he just stays from then on. The I guess the idea is Wendy adopts him then, and then they grow up together. When does the romantic relationship start? Immediately. Yeah. They start sleeping in the same bed. Right. So they've just been <laughs> dating since they were like 13? I don't know. They, is Peter it's kind the of only a gray guy area. Moira ever slept with? <laughs> Probably. God. It's pro- it, it's a fox kind of- like that, she should have been out there. She's got to sow her wild oats. Yeah, and it's weird, too, because... They're both supposed to be about 40-ish, and their oldest kid is only 11. Yeah, they got a late start. Yeah, so you would think... Well, Peter was... He had to... He went to a lot of schooling, so Moira doing nothing while Peter going to school. Yeah, but but you'd think, like, if they were in close proximity with each other at the... Starting at the age of 13... Yeah, you would think maybe she would have gotten pregnant when she was, like, 16. (laughs) Maybe there was some abortions in the... (laughs) I don't think Wendy. Would Maybe stand those for are that. who the Lost Boys really are. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's true. So Wendy adopted all the kids. Eventually, you know, Peter has well, to like pour scene, himself a drink. Yeah, because the scene's very unsettling for him. Not only is she revealing all this stuff, I would. It's like Wendy's really kind of revealing some like emotional fire, <laughs> just <laughs> old passions for Peter, and it's he's like this is really off putting. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. 
it's definitely not incest, but the, no. it's it it's a whole well, she had weird dynamic of like I used to like fool around with your grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also like I just I I can't really wrap my mind around why Wendy remembers everything and Peter once he comes back remembers nothing. Yeah, I don't know. I guess the because I don't know. once we learn Peter's origin what stories is his earliest memory without jumping ahead at some point he ha- he remembers everything. But as of right now, what is the past that he remembers? <sighs> he does he actually specifically says it at some Just point. Just being adopted by Wendy or something? I think he remembers being at an orphanage or something, which is okay. kind of a clue that yeah. we'll get into later about what Neverland really is or that kind of thing. But Oh, right. Hell. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so he pours himself a drink and he's sitting alone in the nursery uh, you know, that's now empty because the kids have been taken. And like all throughout the house, there's like pictures on the wall depicting Neverland scenes. Toodles is running Wendy around talking about got his over marbles, it. and he's got a model of marbles. Jolly Roger in his in a bottle in his room, and you know, there's all these, and even like the little latch on the window is a hook. Right. Like, there's all these little different things, and. Earlier in the film, actually, when the kids were still there, there's a scene where... Now, you would think if you were Wendy, you would want nothing to resemble a hook in the house. <laughs> well, that might be an accident. Yeah. But Jack is, like, messing about while his dad is on the phone, and, like... Jack is always messing with everything. And... He's very annoying. Peter's just sitting on the bed, and Jack is, like, doing something with Maggie in the background, and his shadow keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and they shoot this so that you were looking at it from the perspective like behind Peter and it looks like his shadow is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and moving on its right. own. As if it's his shadow and it's moving on its own, which is like a little precursor to the whole shadow thing. Which And plus he keep a couple of times now, at this point, we've seen Peter do the pose thing. Yeah. He even catches himself doing it in like at one point. Yeah. The whole thing with the shadow always like annoyed me even as like a kid. I was <laughs> yeah. like, that's so dumb. Right. <laughs> Like, I just was like, who cares? It's a shadow. No kidding. Peter, grow up. Also, the fact that the solution is to sew it on his foot. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of weird things going on yeah. in that first. A lot of weird logic. So, as he's, you know, drinking alone, Tinkerbell mm-hmm. finally shows up. Of yeah. course, he doesn't know what it is. He thinks it's a firefly from hell or whatever he calls it. Well, he's not wrong. And... Tinkerbell is played by Julia Roberts, who earned the nickname Tinker Hell on set. Not because shockingly. Because she was such a the, handful to wow. deal with. That Roberts family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even think we really mentioned in the Adult World episode that Emma Roberts was oh, her niece. Did yeah. we? I don't know if we did. I don't know how. I guess that we were remiss if we did, because I feel like most of our early discussions about her we're, I mean, that's one of the first things we talked about. Um, yeah, Real I mean, uh, pain in the ass on set, though, huh? Yeah, I mean, even when before filming, she almost threw the whole schedule off by fleeing California after her wedding to Kiefer Sutherland was called off, and Spielberg had to like threaten to fire her <laughs> to get her to come back. Uh, she had <laughs> what a way to entice her to come back. She had an assistant on set to that was there just to like wash her feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
because she's barefoot like the whole movie. Right. Which it did like the one part where uh, her and uh, Pan kiss. It made me think that like there was a crew member uh, as soon as Spielberg said cut. She was like, oh, come here. Go ahead. Like they have to like wash off her lips. <laughs> <laughs> and fine. You know, eventually she reveals herself as Tinkerbell and he's talking to her, but he, he clearly doesn't remember yet what's going on. But this is like. So far, we've they've like been interweaving some of the known and established pan lore, which kind of you know the movie relies upon heavily. You have to have like some kind of knowledge about Peter Pan. Yeah, she's for very this to like make gregarious sense. when she shows up. You know, well she's, she's excited, bouncy. Yeah, you know they reference like how she drank poison for him one time, and they get into the whole thing about the shadow, and uh, eventually you know we're gonna meet Captain Hook and his hand and the crocodile. So I mean. There's kind of like a heavy reliance on the original source material, so Peter, but I guess it's a fair assumption that most people would be familiar by the time they see right. this movie. Uh, enlighten me here, just so I'm up to speed with this, the background of Peter Pan. At some point, Peter was the one that cut his hand off? Yeah. Was he called Captain Hook before he had a hook for a hand? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't think that's that part is ever like in a story. That's always like, just happened. Okay, it's in the past. Okay, it's always something that's just referenced that it already happened. Yeah, it's kind of like Game of Thrones. You know, yeah. there's always some infinite right. past. Yes, because in Neverland, time doesn't move. So mm-hmm. okay, yeah. moving on. Um, eventually, she basically just has to knock Peter out and drag <laughs> his ass to fucking Neverland. Because yeah, he's not into it. She's telling him, like, yo, we got to go rescue your kids. And he's like, he doesn't want to believe it. Like, Yeah, Scotland Yard is on the case. And I feel like, you know, that's a fairly common thing in, like, children's movie is, like, the disbelief of adults has to be overcome. Right. And that's, like, kind of a main yeah. thing uh, in this movie. Also, it is, like, it is that same thing. Are we just thinking this because it's a movie? But it's, like, let's say in your life a fairy shows up that looks like Julia Roberts and says you got to go somewhere. You're going. Yeah, I'd say probably. Um, I mean, what else you got to do? Now, we first, when we first uh, see Neverland, the first thing we see is the spinning clock that is in the mouth of the giant crocodile that has been stuffed and mounted, I guess, in the middle of Pirate's Bay or whatever the fuck now, they call it. Now, as this is happening, do we just see, it's like, it's weird because it all happens really fast, but it's like, did she intentionally bring him right there? Because it seems like I his ass like crashed. Did she just well, he, drop she, it? like just drops him there? Yeah, I don't know why she took. That is kind of also unexplained, and maybe could tie into something we're gonna get to later. Right? But why does she take him there? First? I know. I, I brought that up when we were. It's like this doesn't seem like a good idea. I mean, he could have very easily been killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I guess like if you were gonna say just the general movie logic is like, well, that's where the kids are. Yeah. So the plan is to find out what he has to do to get the kids back. I don't know. But we'll get into that in a second. Right. Um, so basically, he's surrounded by pirates. He doesn't fit in at first. My big question is that there's seemingly like hundreds of pirates just hanging around this area docked in this bay. What do they do? Yeah, I know. What are they pirates of? They seemingly Nothing. exist in a world where there's no other ships of right. random people. So what are they stealing the day-to-day responsibilities of anyone that lives in neverland are unclear which kind of uh plays into something you know as we'll get into more and more as we go but the whole like idea of peter pan is like the linchpin of the entire neverland universe 
where it's almost like everything falls into disarray once he it's it's not a hundred percent like this but it's almost like nothing happens when he's not there yeah in other words it only exists no one knows what to do it only exists at his own will and it's like except they do exist you know what i'm saying like they just are kind of aimless just how much is how much time passes for the i i don't know i don't know how it works equally yeah I get well. They wake up and they go to sleep, so it seems like it's about the same. But I right. don't know. Yeah, and it's and you know later they reference that they killed the Indians and children, basically <laughs> yeah. the Lost Boys. Well, the and whole it's thing. Like, it's like I mean, even the Lost Boys talk about it. They're like pirates. We kill pirates. It's like these kids and these adults just fighting and killing each other over nothing. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely like an undercurrent of darkness going on in Neverland right. that never really gets focused on for too no. long. It's kind of just casually mentioned. I mean, the mo- Lost Boys seemingly should just want to hang out, but I mean, it's not like they're fighting for some piece of land. It's like the uh, the uh, pirates have their territory, the Lost Boys have their territory, the mermaids live in the water. It seems like everyone in Neverland could live in peace. Well, it it seems that hook only exists to fight peter and the lost boys that's right. like yes that's their motivation for living without There's nothing a great, beyond that yes without a great adversary hook is nothing yeah and i mean we kind of get his little tease of suicide his cry for help <laughs> he's just like <laughs> my life is over does that mean you've lost your appetite yes oh, goodbye uh, where you going are you getting dramatic? Goodbye, sweet. Captain, why don't we play, play your island? Hey? Eh? You know, all the little Indians and the soldiers and all the lost boys? No stopping me this time, Smee. This is it. Don't make a move, Smee. Not a step. My finger's on the trigger. Don't try to stop me, Smee. I'm not again. This is it. Don't try to stop me this time, Smee. Don't try to stop me this time, Smee. Don't you dare try to stop me this time, Smee. Try to stop me. Smee, you better get up off your ass. Get over here, Smee. I'm coming. I'm oh, coming. Me. I'm coming. This is not a joke. I'm committing a suicide. Demanding that Smee stop him. The all too relatable scene for the <laughs> voices of this podcast. Uh... Smee, this time I'm going to do it. <laughs> so we finally, you know, we're about 40 minutes into the film and Hook finally appears. He's the name of the fucking movie. Right. And it's kind of this flamboyant, ridiculous, wonderful, incredible version of Captain Hook that it's hard to even imagine any other version now. I and can't, I'll say this too. I've seen other versions of Peter Pan. It's hard for me to remember what Hook was even like. In I've them. said this about uh, great performances in other movies. I said it about Heath Ledger as the Joker. Here we go. Uh, no, but here's the thing. When I think of this Hook role, I and I when I picture Dustin Hoffman, I don't like. I don't see him in Hook. Like he's, I just think he's great. <laughs> like I can picture Dustin Hoffman in most roles that he's in, and I'm like, yeah, Dustin Hoffman. But Hook stands apart. And so Hook wants to gloat about stealing Peter's children. And this is like finally whenever Peter, who has, you know, thrown together a little pirate disguise with the Tinkerbell's help, like he can't, you know, stand back in silence anymore. And so when Jack and Those are my Maggie kids. are pulled up in a 
right big net that they're caught in he s- speaks up and <laughs> hook doesn't recognize him hook has no idea a bit different yeah who this guy is and he's like what these are your kids yeah like what did he think that the 12 year old version of peter was gonna show up so he's like okay if you're peter pan why don't you fly up there and touch their hands yeah and of course you know peter banning has no idea how to fly Right. If it was Peter Pan, though, it does like spoil everything because it's like, uh, okay, if he can't actually fly up there and touch their hands, he's going to let the kids go. So that's how much confidence that he so has. So you're taking well, Captain Hook at his word. <laughs> Somebody that w- we'll see betray his word literally within seconds <laughs> later in the film. I think you, if he was, he wanted him, he didn't believe it was him, but if yeah. it was him, then he was just going to start the war right then. Right. I always felt like start this was kind of cheating because. The war of all wars that they speak of. <laughs> So Hook says, fly up there and touch their hands. And then Peter immediately starts climbing like the whatever of the ship. <laughs> I don't know nautical terms. Yeah. The mast. Yeah. Something. something starboard. Right. <laughs> harbor. An aft. Anchor. Yeah. <laughs> he starts he deci- he starts climbing up. And I'm, I'm thinking, even as a kid, I'm like, well, he said fly up. So it yeah. was like, even if he climbs up there and touches their hands, I don't He's think He's got him on a technicality either way, yeah. But... Uh, uh, in all the efforts of parents trying to save their children of all time, this has to be the worst. Yeah, I mean... Not a great showing by Pan. As he whispers in Hook's ear, he has a problem with heights. <laughs> <laughs> Much to the amusement of all the pirates gathered witnessing this. Now, could we talk about it any time, but just to point out quickly, some familiar faces in this scene. Glenn Close and David Crosby, which is strange. And Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, right. there's a couple uh, of pirates. Also brings up the question uh is there actually a worse looking crosby than me it seems possible (laughs) take a look (laughs) google yeah google image search and so he's unable to now he's hanging touch the kid's hands he's within a couple feet it's hard to they, they never film it in a way like from a like a a long shot so that you can see the entire like stretching out so you don't never really know for sure how close it is it's kind of hard to right. tell but he is afraid and he's desperately clutching on to the thing that he's climbed up and so he can't really reach over and he kind of just gives up much to i mean the it's- horror of his children <laughs> who are crying and begging him to keep trying <laughs> They're like dad come on i mean would even go on to later say it's like he didn't even try <laughs> he, we were right there he didn't even try it's like what would mom think <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah when Maggie says, mom could do it. (laughs) Just completely emasculating him. So Hook now is crushingly disappointed by all of this. Oh, yeah. He was expecting the return of his once great adversary, and he's gotten this fat, middle-aged man who can't do anything. He just dismissively, kill him. Kill them all. (laughs) And so this is when Tinkerbell steps in to make a deal with Hook. She says... I can get him back to being the old Peter Pan in three days. Or she says four days. Right. Hook says two. They, they end negotiate. up agreeing on yeah. three. And she, you know, uses her little tiny hand to shake his hook, <laughs> and they have a deal. Oh, Smee points his gun at her, which is great. <laughs> but Hook just, you know, turns the gun to face Smee. Yeah, because she's flown away, yeah. and it's basically just pointing it at right. Hook's face. Yeah. So now I want to get into something... That as a kid, obviously, I would have never noticed. As and a kid, as of three days ago in our life. Yeah, well, we rewatched the film 
a couple of years ago uh, after uh, Robin Williams passed away, and we certainly didn't notice it then no, or talk about it then. But it, no. it, it's just, you know, in kind of doing some of the general research for the film, it's like, oh, I kind of stumble on like little hints of this, like people kind of mentioning it somewhere, and I didn't really look into it at first and then when we watched the film it started to become well you said it right before clear. we watched it yeah because and it popped i was into my head i kind of like dismissed it like i don't know i feel like if what i said was you could make that case but there's nothing that happens like on screen that points to that really i was dead wrong <laughs> so we're gonna call this the tinkerbell conspiracy which is something that if you're familiar with the film you may not have ever known which is it seems like Tinkerbell aided Hook in the kidnapping May of Peter Pan's orchestrated kids to the whole lure thing. Peter, whom she loves, back to Neverland. Tinkerbell's unrequited love for Peter Pan is Could a be huge the real movie. part of this yeah. movie. And much as we were saying pathetic, really. about Pan being the linchpin of Neverland, and they all seem to kind of be in suspended animation without him. No one misses him more. They all are kind of have the same goal, whether it's his old adversary Hook or his old friend Tinkerbell, and that's to just get Peter Pan back. So what exactly is the evidence? Um, well, when Pan Mountains. first reveals himself, this is the, the well, this is pretty yeah. much sums it up, in my right. opinion, just yeah. the one thing right off the bat. When uh, Peter first reveals himself uh, to Hook and says that those are his kids... Hook, of course, doesn't believe it at like, first. This isn't him. And it's Smee me. brings out all of this documentation, citing like medical records, et cetera, et cetera. And he says, I have I've got a sworn affidavit from a T Bell. A sworn affidavit? What is the judicial system in Neverland? <laughs> Why would they have an affidavit? And so seemingly that implies that Tinkerbell was pointing them in the direction and saying, this is the guy, these are his kids, it's that weird, kind of though, thing. It is kind of weird the way it's laid out there, though. Because why wouldn't they just say, she told us, <laughs> just point to the fairy flying around. I mean, did T-Bell sign this affidavit? Well, maybe Spielberg sort of public notary? intentionally yeah. wanted it kind of obscure. Yeah, right. Because That's he, fair. He wanted it maybe as something for older viewers to maybe pick up on, but didn't really... Want yeah, it to in be the like face something. of the kids. Yeah, like, not that not that it's like inappropriate for the kids, kids to start it, calling her Tinker Hell. <laughs> it's just like it would be a confusing issue for yes. the kids to kind of because they ultimately they don't really ever want to portray Tinkerbell as like a villain, but she's kind of got some questionable motives. Oh, absolutely. Um, the other thing right off the bat is, uh, like I mentioned, Hook doesn't know or recognize Peter at all. So how would he know that these are Peter's kids? I don't... Well, right, yeah. If you don't know who the guy is, then how are you going to know who his kids are? Yes. You know what I mean? Who I would, know. Well, that's who was keeping tabs on Peter? Well, uh, obviously it was Tinkerbell, and we'll find out more as we go through this evidence. It's hard to, yeah, come up with another idea. So how would Hook get to London? How would Smee or Hook or any of the pirates get to London? Well... The only thing I can think of is that Tinkerbell gave them the fairy dust, which allowed them to fly their entire pirate ship docket, you know, outside of England and yeah. go retrieve the oh, kids and fly back. If they're pirates, back. wouldn't they be like, there is a lot of booty in England? You know what I mean? 
Well, they got kind of one track moments. All right, yeah. And that's get Peter back. Yeah. And obviously, Tinkerbell's unrequited love leads to her one wish, which is to be full size, and then she kisses him, which seemingly has the intention to get Peter to forget his wife and resume his adventures with her in Neverland, but actually ultimately causes the opposite, which is to make Peter think of his wife and kids. Yeah, I don't know. That's a strange scene. But right before that, we're kind of given a little vision inside of her little house, which is like a you know a lantern or whatever. <laughs> and she's got Peter Banning's license, credit cards, right. other paraphernalia. Which he can see, too, but doesn't pick up on, it seems like. Well, he's kind of like a character from Westworld at that point. Oh, he's yeah. Like, doesn't look like anything to me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's in the process. See, memory kind of goes two ways. You kind of forget Neverland once you come back to the world, and you forget the world when you go to Neverland, now, which is Never- something Maggie picks up on right away as right. a seven-year-old yes. and yet well, jack is oblivious and falls for it in two seconds hey the future is female <laughs> good point jack's an idiot so i have a question about what's going on between neverland is this just like a straight somehow mystical tunnel from neverland to london like can she not can they not it get seems to like other the portal is only to the one place in like, england is tink not able to check up on peter when he's in america I don't know. We're not really sure. <laughs> yeah. Somehow she knew that the... I mean, can we close the door on that, though? Can we say I, that definitively that I'm Tinkerbell... I'm sold, yeah. I'm willing to buy into it, too. Um, and I once you realize it, it's hard to explain the movie otherwise. Yeah, because there's actually... Is this whole movie actually about Tinkerbell's fucking undying passion for uh, Peter? Um, I think it's about a lot of things... Um, I think Spielberg was originally. But that's what moves the whole plot. It. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. The whole sequence of events seems to hinge upon Tinkerbell being feeling like a jilted lover. I don't know if this is like her fairy like nature, but she never really seems to appreciate the stakes of anything going on. Well, they all are kind of like that. Yeah, that's true. That's kind of how the original Peter Pan was designed because ultimately children have kind of that limited capability to see beyond their own perception so it's like tinkerbell it was always said since her body was so small she could only express one emotion at a time that's why the character always would have those like freak outs or oh yeah she'd turn red or like get really mad or whatever (laughs) because there was no balance to her emotions or whatever i don't know they explain it in the original novel but anyway so where are the other fairies (laughs) like where'd she come from uh they're all dead okay um short lifespans yeah apparently extreme fairy wrestling (laughs) uh so basically peter has three days to remember everything in order to become the old peter pan and give hook his great war and final battle and then there's kind of like this weird throwaway thing of like one of the pirates just knocks Peter into the water and no one seems to care or react because he's still tied up right life just goes on for everyone, the pirates, uh, Peter's kids, Tinkerbell ends up just going napping home later. Yeah, right. <laughs> She's uh, like, "Oh, you're alive!" Yeah, holy shit! <laughs> so when he falls into the water, he's which uh, it does seem like she should have thrown herself into the water as well. Yeah, it doesn't drown. It's kind of a weird moment. I, um, I mean, I get that they wanted to just throw in some more classic Neverland lore, so this is how we get to see the mermaids. 
Yeah. Who are like three smoking smoking hot. hot chicks with like different color hair that uh, like matches their lipstick. Now I I understand that they're coming up to Peter and uh you know blowing air into him or whatever so that he can breathe, but it looks kind of sexual. Oh, this was a, a mean, big awakening moment for me on yeah. a personal oh, level. Yeah. I was like, I, I, it really was a lot to process right. for me. That's what like, is happening right now? You were now. like, Peter, fuck your kids. <laughs> <laughs> Just hang out with these mermaids. Yeah, well, the thing with, and this is interesting because this ties in with like uh, every Peter Pan adaptation and the original book and everything, basically almost anything, which is everybody of Neverland kind of doesn't like each other. Like the mermaids are dangerous. Right. Tiger Lily is dangerous. The Lost Boys are dangerous. The pirates are dangerous. Well, the pirates hate Peter, but everybody else loves Peter and only Peter. Yes. The mermaids love Peter and don't kill Peter. Tiger Lily loves Peter. Tiger Lily loves Peter and isn't a threat to him, but she's a threat to anyone else. And it's just like... Peter's kind of just like this king of Neverland, yes, basically. And right. his only adversary are the pirates and, and Captain Hook. But they don't know what to do without him. <laughs> right. And, I mean, no Tiger Lily in this version. Sad, yes. <laughs> Fake news, sad. <laughs> what do you think of... Uh, I think we've pretty much already covered Dustin Hoffman as Hook. I mean, yeah. the guy showed up two months early to get immersed in the role, uh, really took it to another level. And, I mean, I know... And, and Bob Hoskins is Smee, too. The interactions yeah. between the two are just great. And what did you tell me the other day? Well, Hoff, uh, apparently a couple days into it, Hoffman and Hoskins just looked at each other and had like an aha moment where they both realized that their characters were gay. <laughs> and I'm familiar. Proceed... <laughs> proceeded this podcast um so yeah and then they proceeded to play the characters that way as hoffman described them as a couple of old queens yeah (laughs) and once you kind of view it on that lens it kind of is it becomes glaringly obvious and also it was pretty entertaining so after the mermaids rescue uh peter he kind of washes up on the Lost Boys side. Randomly is carried up in a giant well, shell. Yeah. <laughs> He's now on the Lost Boys side, so now we get to meet this new generation, question mark, of Lost Boys. This is another thing that gets weird, and I mean, I won't talk too much about it, but it's like, they all know who Peter is. Kind of, but they don't really recognize they him. They don't recognize him, but... Which, as a kid watching this, you're like, well, that's because he's old. Right. But it never dawns on you that, like, oh, these are different Lost Boys yeah. than the ones he right. was with. Which... Where do they keep I, coming I still from? fully didn't grasp even the last time we watched this. No. It wasn't until going through the plot summary on Wikipedia and then reading through some of this stuff. How that are I was they all like, getting there? I mean, is Tinkerbell finding well, we'll all these kids? That. Okay. <laughs> so to them, is Peter Pan only some legend that came before them? Some fairy tale that they didn't know was real or not that Tinkerbell swore to them was? Do yeah. some of them I always, cr- carry over? Maybe this is wrong. Maybe I like put this together just in my head and this isn't how it worked but i was always under the impression that at least rufio knew him that that pan did give him the sword possibly well i that's the thing it's like do some of them carry over from pan's days right it's in the original story there's only six slightly toodles curly nibs and the unnamed twins but why isn't this clearer? And I feel like right. that could be a refrain throughout a lot of this movie. Yes. Like, and there are two in this that like look like they're twins. Right. 
Are they the same twins? We don't know. Right. I feel like what happened was they were, oh, let's do a sequel to Peter Pan, the idea that Pan has grown up and Captain Hook wants him back, that kind of thing. And they're like, oh, that sounds great. And right. then the logistics of explaining everything got kind of tedious. And so they yes. what they decided to do was kind of obscure that a little bit push yeah, that to this, the background and you kind of just gloss over a lot of the details it's kind of like the late 80s early 90s twist too that all the lost boys are punk rockers and they all have aids yeah <laughs> <laughs> i feel like that was something that was happening in the 90s yeah oh definitely <laughs> um so yeah of the course great myth now rufio <laughs> has initial resistance to Peter and refuses to accept him. Who's in charge here? No. No, Mr. Skunkhead with too much moose. You are just a punk kid. I want to speak to a grown-up. All grown-ups are pirates. Excuse me? We kill pirates. Uh, The other kids are kind of just like, well, all right. We're not really doing anything else. Right. (laughs) But why do... Here's the thing about Tinkerbell, who seemingly is a fairy, but is like a full-grown woman... Why is she just randomly living amongst a bunch of dirty forest boys? And a lot of them, like, it's like she acts like, oh, I'm one of you guys. We're like a clan or whatever. And a lot of them are, it seems like, are kind of like swinging their hand at her, like, get away from me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe her whole, like, pretending that she's tight with them is like an act now that Peter's back in the mix. Right. I don't know. Um, It's kind of just weird. Yeah. Because seemingly... And she, you know, when she first finds Peter, she casually references just like a hundred summers, you know, that kind of thing. Just like Uh this infinite time that she spent. So it's like she spent infinite days with these Lost Boys and yet their connection seems very give or take. Like, yeah, we don't really like her. Yep. (laughs) She's annoying. Yeah. She never shuts up. She's just constantly bitching that you're not here, Peter. Yeah. Yeah, the, so the rest of the Lost Boys are just like, all right, well, we're going to train this guy, and we'll see what happens. So then they yeah. just start, you know, we get a montage of them running around doing generic training stuff. Well, to them, it's it's jarring because they're like, you're an adult. The only adults we know are pirates. Yeah, I mean, they think he's a pirate at first, but it's pretty clear that he's not a pirate or a Lost Boy. He's just... An idiot. He's something new. <laughs> an idiot. <laughs> But things don't really change for Peter. He's still kind of having a hard time with it all until the dinner scene. He gets into like an insult battle with Rufio, which is just never really entertained me even as a child. It was kind of like, what are they saying? It's dumb. Just made up words. And eventually it's Peter's imagination, which creates the food. And feeds the entire (laughs) Which leads... To the remembrances of his lost youth. And this kind of starts to unlock the door for him to become Peter Pan again. Uh, Side note. This isn't when he remembers everything, though. No, no, no. But this is the beginning. The start, yeah. Yeah. Because basically they were eating off of empty plates and there wasn't any real food. Yeah. But, like, could the Lost Boys see it? It seemed like they were eating before he... But then once he remembers and the food appears they're like oh peter you're remembering like they realize that there's a change so it's like what were these people eating i don't know how are they staying alive maybe you don't really need to eat the food that they were eating too just like pies that were completely made of frosting (laughs) a diabetes pie i mean that one dude what thud butt (laughs) what's his name (laughs) 
Yeah. I mean, his foot's going to fall off when he eats one of these pies. <laughs> Sadly, it did in real life. Uh, Thudbutt is kind of like a chubby uh, black kid uh, who... Can roll himself into a ball, <laughs> which is pretty cool. <laughs> is it cool or is know. it kind of embarrassing <laughs> that that's in a movie? Yeah. Um, there's a couple of embarrassing moments like uh, when he when Robin Williams gets hits in, hit in the nuts and he has that like chipmunk voice and you're just like... Oh, that's Oof. horrible, yeah. That was something that they would throw into like kids' movies in the '90s too. <laughs> I feel like they still might sometimes. Thudbutt yeah. just awful. happened to have Toodles Marbles, the ones that he was always looking for back in London. It's like, hey, jackass, they're not in London. Well, that's stop the thing. looking for them. Is there a crossover here? That's the thing. Did they cross over time? Was Toodles there and Thudbutt at the same time? Maybe. I was like, how long has Thudbutt had those marbles? <laughs> and you know what I hate when he tells Peter, "These are Toodles Marbles." These are his happy thoughts. And he like does this thing with his hand where he's like pointing at his face. It's so, yeah. oh. So elsewhere in Neverland, uh, Smee. Well, your name's Thudbutt. Talks to, uh, talks Hook into manipulating Jack and Maggie into loving him in oh, order to break Peter's will. Quite a manipulation that goes on. So we kind of mentioned this before where. Now, of course, the idiot Jack, way more susceptible to the manipulation. Yeah, I mean, Maggie right off the bat is She's just like, keen. no. And she's like, Jack, hey, Neverland makes you forget. Don't forget. We have real parents. But Jack is like seemingly in like a stupor. This guy that calls himself the captain is not your dad. Now, this jackass would grow up to be the dude in Can't Hardly Wait who (laughs) lip syncs to Paradise City. Yes. Um, Hard to not see that in him. And she yells at him, run home, Jack, as they're just seemingly dragging her away to do God knows what. I mean, that Put whole back sequence is very strange. <laughs> yeah. Put her back in the cage. I mean, I don't want to go too dark here, but it's like, <laughs> oh boy, this girl around all these scoundrels. I mean, well, yeah, I want to get to that because there's a scene, It, it kind of some of the stuff, the order of it doesn't really matter, but there's a scene where Maggie just starts singing a song. It's at night. Peter can hear it from... All the way across Neverland. Yeah, like, seemingly all of Neverland is listening to this and reacting to it on an emotional level, but she kind of sings this song, which I guess was a leftover from when this was a possible musical. But she's not restrained in any way. She's not in a cage. She's not in a net. She's not tied up. She's just just seemingly wandering around. And it is strange to me that... And she's wearing, like, her nightgown or nighty or pajamas or whatever they are that she was wearing when they took her. And she's just wandering around these shiftless, yeah, they're like bored, degenerate pirates. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just like... Huh. Criminals. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, do the pirates have a moral code? I would say no. <laughs> so Hook, you know, let's let's go over some Hook stuff. He hates clocks and has destroyed them all. Yeah. Because now the thing about Hook, I mean, aside from the depression going on, I mean, he's got a like OCD thing too. like he's got a lot of clinical issues. Well, the clock thing stems from PTSD, the crocodile, which swallowed his hand and an alarm clock. Yeah. And so (laughs) whenever uh, this watch that Peter gave to Jack it was like a pocket watch. It falls out. Now, Jack gets to ticking. sleep in the room with Hook. Yeah. Also strange. Yeah. Real Seems strange. Seems like there's plenty of room in this pirate. Butt land. pirate. Yeah. <laughs> um, what does Smee think of all this? 
<laughs> Smee's jealous of Jack. So Hook puts together a makeshift baseball game for Jack, uh, kind of allowing him to, you know, live out some sort of a baseball fantasy where Hook pretends to be Jack's father. He's basically taken to calling Jack his son. Now the big Jack thing- is kind of going along with the program a little bit. Well, the big thing about Jack in baseball is he stinks. So it's like, I don't know what kind of pep talk they had to give to Smee before. They're like, really lob yeah. it in there. Just kind of cookie it in there, you know? Meatball right uh, over the plate. Which, you know, I know we don't want to do this thing where it's like, I say we forgot to bring something up. But <laughs> something we talked about when we watched the movie, Jack's first baseball game, the kids in this like nine-year-old league, the catcher's giving signs to the pitcher. Well, yeah. As if he has multiple pitches. <laughs> and they're doing that in the pirate in the Pirates game on yeah. this ship too. Smee's got a screwball. <laughs> well, Smee has a like gyro a, ball. Smee has like an interesting windup where he twirls around it's old a bunch school, of yeah. times. <laughs> As you pointed out though, the Pittsburgh Pirates should wear these jerseys. Oh yeah, that would be sweet. <laughs> and of course, it's kind of like a pivotal pivotal moment in the film where the Pirates in the stands who don't really know anything about baseball <laughs> are chanting run home Jack, which is the same thing that Maggie yelled at him before she was dragged away. Now, roughly seven hours have passed since that happened. Yeah, I know. I think as a kid, it seems like, oh, yeah. But it's like when you're watching it now, it's like, oh, that just happened. Yeah. It's like it doesn't really seem like it's that big of a deal, but right. it kind of... And Peter and the Lost Boys are there spying on this happening. Well, yeah, their whole thing is they're going to steal captain hook's hook because he for some reason decides to take it off yeah and put on a glove now it seems hand. like he would have multiple versions of this but yeah uh they don't end up stealing the hook because peter gets depressed whenever <laughs> jack hits a home run and is congratulated by captain hook and like hugs him and it looks like he's happy and it's right. all this stuff and he's yes. like bummed out so that's when peter goes back to where you know the lost boys hide out and he ends up finding his old the old treehouse which this is where his shadow comes into the story yeah and his shadow directs him to where this tree is it's basically a secret house under a tree uh also he's hitting the head with jack's home run ball which is (laughs) yeah insane well yeah that (laughs) the physics here i mean (laughs) that happens before the shadow but yeah so he goes down in there and of course tinkerbell is already in there and it's like well tinkerbell if this was going to be so vital in helping him remember why wouldn't you just tell him before this right but anyway hook has burned the place out of anger but it doesn't Which stop peter from that, that hook and the pirates have just regular access to where the lost boys well, live. i assume that they perform perform some raids from time to time yeah to kill some lost boys <laughs> and then <laughs> retreat back to the pirate cove yeah it's weird that these like mortal enemies are just within throwing distance of each other (laughs) it's an uneasy right thing going on at all times it's weird how you can see the compass in the water too (laughs) well yeah so the fire damage doesn't prevent peter from remembering you know where wendy slept and peter slept and john slept and this is where wendy sat and this is where she read stories to us right he kind of it's all flooding back to him all of a sudden yes and it's interesting because I think we should point out, because we already went over the Tinkerbell conspiracy, Tinkerbell, even in like the original source material, has kind of a checkered past. 
Um, her jealousy of Wendy yeah. is very apparent uh-huh. in the original book, and she once tried to have Wendy killed by some of the Lost Boys, and this is what this is the house where she recuperated. So yes, this is kind true. of a reference. Right. They don't obviously get into any of that, but that's kind of where this whole Wendy's house thing came from. It, it, I don't obviously in none of the Disney versions is this there, but right. you know that's kind of where this original idea springs from. Um, now, also, I think like my favorite little reference to the past or to the old works or whatever is when Hook tells Tinkerbell that he's going to kill her in a way that no amount of hands could clap her back from yeah. or something. <laughs> I just think that's funny. Now that Peter can remember his past a little bit, this kind of unlocks some more things inside of him, and he realizes that Mora and the kids are his happy thoughts. Yeah. And so finally, he what can were they fly. Before? Yeah, what was he trying to use before? What was his old happy thought? It kind of leads you to believe. It took a couple of days for this jackass to realize that being a father is like supposed to be your happy thoughts. Well, it's I like, mean, dude. you saw how much he cared about those kids. <laughs> they were within arm's length, and he's like, I give up. And so now, flight is enough to finally convince Rufio. So he kind of gives up the sword and the leadership to Peter, and Peter starts crowing like a total idiot. <laughs> it was just something that, like, I could never stand from any version of Peter Pan is the crowing. It's like, what? what? Why? I only remember it from this one being like the crowing actually being a part of it. No, it's in that play. Is it? Okay. Yeah. It's it's kind of just like, arr, arr, just yeah, like yeah. randomly. Right. Uh, it's not like a whole build up to being able to do it because he's <laughs> regular Peter Pan. Oh, uh, I can't do this. <laughs> How hard is it? So after kind of like this emotional sequence of him getting the sword and the kids rallying around him, he goes to find Tinkerbell. And it's kind of an odd scene. She's sitting alone in her little house, crying and being sad. And this is where we get that Very glimpse morose, in yeah. and see like her uh, having his license and credit card and everything. And you're kind of like, right. why does she have this Just kind of sobbing audibly and it, again it, it all comes back to you know her being in love with peter and that not being enough and so she uses her one wish we don't really know why she has this wish i know she's just been holding it <laughs> why yeah, wouldn't her one wish just be i wish for peter to be in love with me and move back to neverland <laughs> yeah that could have solved a lot of her problems uh well maybe because deep down she's not a villain and she knows now that peter has a wife and kids and right she if she had if she had access to the this wish earlier maybe she should have used it then but we don't really know i don't know without the wish where she thought this was going i mean intercourse seemed like it would have been insanely difficult <laughs> can you stop saying intercourse <laughs> their their version of intercourse is just, she just like flies up his ass <laughs> um yeah she like flutters his wing her wings like under his balls <laughs> Yeah, oh boy. She just like drowns in his semen. We're um, always able to really bring the A material for these <laughs> Disney movies. Yeah, I doubt anyone's made it this far All into right, this episode. Goodness. I think yeah. we're safe. So she uses this wish to become full size. Uh, we were talking earlier today about how when we were younger, we both kind of felt like there should have there were more stakes to this wish. Right. It always had that impression of like something else was going to happen. Like she was, was sacrificing something yes. to do this. But right. It, when you rewatch it, there really is. I had one wish and this is it. And it happened. And then it's and it over only lasted quickly, for five seconds. Basically. Um, what exactly was the wish? To be I, full size. Okay. 
why does it only last a few seconds? Was, I don't know. Did well, it, we don't know the rules of the wish. I know. I understand that. I'm pointing it out because I'm upset. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think as a kid, I I thought that like she was gonna die or that she was no longer like a fairy or something, and yet even. You know, yeah, like the rest of the film, you kind of see that that's not true. Yet no. it always kind of felt like that. It seems, but none like, of that actually happens. And it she's seems fine. like just I think from what we know of storytelling, there should be a trade-off here. Yes, but it ends up being completely meaningless. And so once full size, she plants a, a kiss on Peter. As we mentioned when we were going through the conspiracy, <laughs> it seemed like she was thinking that that was going to well i don't know maybe she realized that she was only going to be full size for a minute and was just like i just want to kiss him but like whatever the case is it makes him remember his family who he started to kind of forget like he's he was kind having of so much fun he's kind of transformed fully into the mindset now of peter pan who didn't have a wife and kids and so it's kind of hard to you know juggle that yeah Thing of well, like, well, just, his happy thought was his family, but now he's kind of moving on from them in a well, weird way. But yet, this kiss kind of jolts him into reality. <laughs> he's so, like, well, hanging out with these uh, dudes isn't half bad. This so, is like more fun than having a family. Another thing with this scene is uh, something that we've we first started <laughs> bringing up when we watched the film a couple years ago, and it's kind of always stuck with us since because it's so jarring that it's not in the film. Uh yeah, I've we had about kind it many of a. Times now. I don't know what you would call this. I kind of would describe it as a shared memory, even though we didn't obviously know each other right. when we watched this film as kids. But we both kind of had a very distinct memory of this scene of Tinkerbell being drunk. So much so that I, we discussed it before we watched the movie. Yes, it's not like we watched the movie and then we're like, oh, I remember that scene being different. We were talking about that scene, and being like, wow, it's really weird in a kids movie that they have like. Tinkerbell being like drunk and upset, like having this. Then we get to the scene and we're like, wait, that's not it. That's not, it's not implied at all that she's drinking during this scene. It's, yeah, it's, and it's I'll tell you very what, bizarre. That I've we brought came this up, with up that. to other people and they, they, I've been like, yeah, it's so crazy. Like me and Zach both had this thing where we thought that this scene was this way and I'd describe it to him and they'd be like, Wait, it's not? She's not drinking there? I, I thought she did. I thought there was like a champagne bottle or something. Now, like, do you think this is like that's the, thing. I, the guns in E.T.? <laughs> do you think they went back and took it out? But like, no, I, I looked I for it on the it internet. Yeah. No one ever mentions this. I don't think it's a thing. We I, would know if it was a thing. We would know. I, I There's no way that it would be a secret. I just, how is this like, happening? I, I kind of remember it as she was drinking and the crying was more and she was kind of like it's, really throwing herself around. Being I know. sad. Right. I, I remember being sad, like sobbing, like, you know, teary eyed, weepy, like sniffly. And it just seemed like this thing where she was finally having like a I breakdown. almost even remember dialogue of like Peter being afraid that it was poison that she was drinking. But she's like, no, something like that. I don't know. Like, I, I can't. And remember. then that I leads just, me to where the conclusion I that I came to. it was heavily implied that there was booze involved <laughs> well the, the conclusion i came to today was like it must have been this mixing of different things from different versions of peter pan and, and different scenes and even in this movie like the first time we see tinkerbell when she falls down the stairs 
<laughs> like that yeah. that thrown in like all those things mixed together to kind of create some memory or something i don't know or uh, maybe our rea- just our shared memory of like sad girls being associated with alcohol but, but not for me at yeah, that age no that that's <laughs> yeah, what i mean either. like well maybe maybe the idea of like a beloved mascot like figure for disney like you don't really think of Tinkerbell as having like human emotions. Right. She's just like this helpful fairy. I think maybe it's the it's fact so jarring that like retroactively you, you added something on. to it. Yeah, I don't know because she's so bubbly in every other scene. I don't know. So it, I don't know. If but anyone it, else remembers it I that swear, way, let us know. I Tweet s- at the show at Greatest Pod. Let us know your memories of Tinkerbell getting smashed. <laughs> I, I have brought up this whole thing to multiple people since this whole phenomena occurred phenomenon <laughs> christ <laughs> and uh i don't know other people that's the thing though it's like you don't know whether it's like you're influencing their memory by you say by bringing it up but it is weird because you and me even we can't really like agree or decide on who actually said that they remember it that way first because we both think we did <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it's clearly ingrained. This is also where we get to see Peter's first memory of his actual mother. It actually probably happened a little bit before this, Oof, but whatever. It was a friggin' smokehouse. Now, this scene is strange because he's in a carriage. His mother is talking to another woman on a park bench, and they're discussing like his future. And in Peter's narration of the story, he says that he runs away. But he's getting he is a little nervous. Infant. Yeah, and he's getting a little nervous about his future for me. How would, yeah, I mean, the baby in the memory is not old enough to understand what words. Cognitive, re- like, what understanding of the universe that could he possibly have? And he obviously can't move on his own. No, well, no. Yet somehow the stroller he, rolls away from the ladies on the park bench. He's acting like he willed the wind. But like, what kind of mother doesn't just go? Oh my god! I better go grab that. <laughs> and it's like, how how far could it have gone? Yeah, on its own. Well, then it was we, on a hill. It rolled a long way. We eventually find the baby, which it probably would have eventually hit like a rock or something, and he would have went flying out of the carriage. Well, it seems like that's what happened because it's just oh, laying true. on the ground, yeah. and he was wrapped tightly bundled, so and like cushioned to the fall. It, st- it has started to rain, and that's when Tinkerbell first finds him and and carries him to Neverland. Now, which well, does she just? What was her whole deal around this time? Was she just scouring for... She was, scout- she was scouting for talent? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, that kind of plays into, like, well, what is Neverland? Is Tinkerbell nefarious? Has she been stealing kids and bringing them to Neverland? I don't know. So, who, okay. uh, And how did Peter age from that baby if, as a baby, I know. he goes well, that, to I have an issue with that, yeah. Um. So now we're at day three. The Lost Boys <laughs> finally are going to wage war against the pirates this is everything we've been looking for jack is dressed up as mini hook and basically the battle sequence pretty much stinks Stinks. i mean for uh the war of all wars it's pretty lame yeah i mean the lost boys for the most part are using eggs and paint yeah and different weirdo tactics right against people who have swords and cannons and guns yes but they're holding their own. It's not <laughs> <Somehow>. winning. <laughs> yeah, the pirates are pretty terrible. Yeah. Uh, well, it kind of like, again, the movie kind of glosses over death because it's like, well, we kind of see Rufio 
cutting a few pirates down. Right. And it's like our other pirates getting killed. Are some of the Lost Boys getting Pan killed? Kill it's kind of hard to... I don't know. There's some sword play going on, but no one's getting like their throat slit. So... <laughs> it's not like a Game of Thrones battle. It all builds to um, a moment where Rufio is going to go after Hook, but Pan steps in and says, no, leave the old man for me. And that's when Maggie calls him away. And he kind of has that realization of just like, you know, (laughs) fuck this. Like, I don't don't care about fighting this guy. He's like, I'm just here to save my kids. So he goes to Maggie. And (laughs) there's a really weird, funny, random part when he goes into the little room or wherever Maggie is and he, you know, gets her and there's a pirate in the room and he goes, are you Peter Pan? And he's like, yep. And the pirate just turns and jumps out the window <laughs> head first. <Yeah. laughs> so a pirate just commits suicide rather than facing Peter Pan. That's kind of like when girls have asked me, are you Matt Crosby? <laughs> <laughs> they jump out of moving vehicles. Yeah. <laughs> so then since Pan has flown away, uh, Hook calls out Rufio and they go into an extended sword fight, which eventually ends with... Rufio gets the upper hand for a second, but gets a little cocky. Yeah. With a little line. He underestimated the old man. And Hook stabs him through the chest, and Rufio dies. That's when we... Yeah, we fully... uh, It brings us back to Earth a little bit. It's like, oh, yeah. Not for nothing, these pirates murder children. But where do they go when they die? I don't know. Neverland 2? Do they go back to Earth? Who knows? But uh, <laughs> his dying thoughts, though, yeah. to Peter. Well, I yeah. wish I had a dad like you. Horrifically cheesy. It's dying like, words. come on, Rufio, fucking die gracefully, <laughs> you puss. <laughs> Do you know what I wish? What? I wish I had a dad but it seems like Rufio's death overall has like minimal effect on the Lost Boys. They don't uh, really seem to care. Peter has like a little like boost of rage, you know, for a second. <laughs> well, no, yeah, but I mean the rest of the Lost yeah, Boys, yeah. they don't really seem to react at all. Right. Well, they've already forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> so then we get Pan versus Hook for real now, and uh, most of the sword play in this movie is terrible. Uh, the last two fights, uh, the Rufio Hook one and the Peter Hook one, are passable. All the other stuff earlier on with Peter and the it random pirates ridiculous. is terrible. Yeah. Um, Pan ends up winning and offers Hook the chance to leave Neverland rather than kill him because, it's, you know, Pan's kids are like, well, we don't really want to see our father just kill a man. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to be hard to recover from. But we're just only now starting to like you again. Despite the fact that Hook, throughout his history of as a character, has always been obsessed with quote-unquote good form, uh, he refuses to lose with any honor. And he, in a moment of seemingly being defeated, has like a spring-action sword up his sleeve that he... Seemingly could have been used much earlier... Yeah, plus that spring action could be pretty deadly. You'd oh, think yeah. You just use that. I don't know, but he gets the upper hand on Pan, and this is when Tinkerbell shows up again and intervenes. And Now, Tinkerbell wasn't around for the most of the battle? It didn't seem like no, it. No, you're right. Yeah. She was too busy being emo. <laughs> yeah. She was stopping at Hot Topic. <laughs> <laughs> and this kind of led me to a thought uh, while I was putting these notes together. 
She got like a star tattoo on her lower back. <laughs> serving the plot, would it have made more sense if Tinkerbell died in this final fight rather than Rufio? I if think if one sense. of the two is going to die I think, or if anyone's yeah, going to die. I think it's a good point. I think that it, now being aware of the whole Tinkerbell arc, it even more so makes the story more full circle. It's a more logical end. She caused character. all this, and then right. she sacrifices her life to save Peter in her last moment, yes. kind of thing. And then, like, and then now she doesn't have to live on with this never-ending emptiness of not having. Yeah, and Peter. you could have had like this. The death scene could have been a real tearjerker. Oh yeah, Peter saying right. like, "I'll always love you," like you know, whatever, something real <laughs> cheesy. It She's like, itself. "You just started remembering me like twenty minutes ago." <laughs> He's like I. He's like you know what? When you were like fully full sized, good lord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> but that doesn't happen. Tinkerbell doesn't die. She right. causes Hook to, to basically punch a hole in the giant crocodile that he had Peter up against. Now this whole thing with the crocodile. Well, let me. Here's what I'll say. Okay, say it. the giant crocodile comes to life. Parentheses kind of. Right. Uh, to devour Hook, only to once again resume being dead, question mark. So <laughs> Is that what happens? I don't know. Like, Honestly, there's been times where I've watched it, and I'm like, "Is was that even formerly a, cro- a real crocodile at all? It well, looks like it's made of wood. Yeah, I mean, it's not the best. Yeah. Because <laughs> the whole thing where they punch a hole in well, it. Well, there's even a... You can barely see it, but I kind of noticed that when it falls forward... it. You can tell that like the tail is like a whole separate piece. Oh boy! That doesn't even like move. Like yeah. it kind of has a weird axle. But you hear at it the make noises, it. and it somehow swallows Captain Hook. Yeah, I mean Hook is dead. Hook has been eaten by this at- crocodile. What? I don't yeah. know if it w- was alive the whole time. It doesn't seem like it because no. once he eats, why would it just stand there? <laughs> yeah, once he eats, uh. Hook. We just stand there with a clock in I its mean, mouth? I mean, we're in a fucking magic world. I mean, right. the rules don't really matter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it came to life just to finish off Hook because that was all it ever wanted yeah, to do. Yeah, you hear like some indigestion and then it goes back to being non-existent. It does make you wonder, though, because aside from that giant, giant, giant dinosaur-like crocodile, we don't see oh, yeah. any other wildlife no, no. in Neverland. So it's That's like... True. Mermaids count? What kind of horrible monsters if like that is like a normal crocodile? I don't know if it's a normal one, but you know what I right. mean? Like Animals are now extinct. Are there just like krakens in that ocean yeah. that surround it? Oof. I mean, like, what is going on out well, there? Well, I don't know. You don't see that ship leave the port very often. It's time to leave Neverland. <laughs> and this uh, podcast, please. <laughs> before he goes, Peter chooses Thudbutt to be the new leader of the Lost Boys, and he Doesn't gives him seem the sword. Like, uh, Thudbutt is a leader of men. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I guess he's the only Lost Boy that they really like established yeah. well enough, right? To... And the other ones that were kind of more involved with Peter were all like really small and young. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just was like story wise, like for the movie, it's like, well, what other one even right. would people? None of the other ones really even had like moments. No. And like, he actually solo had moments. He actually anything. had multiple moments during the fight scene where he did the thing where he rolled up into a ball and looked. It's kind of a weird thing though horrible. if your leader is gonna like 
fold up into a ball and yeah. roll down a flight of steps, it and felt, that's like his move. The whole advantage that he has in battle is that he's fat. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and so Tinkerlin- Tinkerbell uh, gives the kids and Peter, well, Peter can fly on his own, I guess, but gives the kids uh, some fairy dust, and they have to think their happy thoughts. Maggie still... Sticking strong with mom, though. Yeah. My happy thoughts, my mom. Fuck you, dad. <laughs> She's a true loyalist, yeah. Jack is now, like, just so flip-floppy. Now he's like, oh, I love you, dad. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Yeah. Jack really is impressionable. So now they've returned home. The kids are able to fly right into the window. And, and instead of, like, waking their mom to let them know they're back, they're like, let's get into bed and pretend like we're asleep while our mom is, like, who's been worried. Yes. Because it's, like... I don't know how much time has passed in the real world. I don't know if it's been the same three days. Although it's kind of like, if you're Mora, where the fuck? Is well, Peter? Wendy's gonna have to explain it. I yeah. mean, Wendy's gonna have to be like, well, he went to Neverland. Like, sorry, honey. I mean, because it's, it's like, or else it's like, wait, you are abandoning the, abandoning the family now? Oh yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, Mora is asleep in a chair in the nursery, and the kids pretend to go to sleep in bed, and then she wakes up, and then they surprise her. Uh, Peter, for some reason, wakes up outside. In the yard. In Yeah, in the snow. And it's like, it's kind of a strange uh, sequence here because for some reason, the kids are able to fly all the way into the house and are awake. But Peter, it's almost like he's waking up from something, like a dream. And he yeah, looks well, up and the guy sweeping up garbage is Bob me. Hoskins. Yeah. It's me. And he talks, and Smee talks to him. It's well, something that I've never paid much attention to. I guess I think. Oh, this, I always thought it was weird. I it, think by the end here, I'm kind of checked out. Most my brain, of, my yeah. childhood brain, never could comprehend what this was supposed I, to mean. I'll tell you this: I don't understand it now. I, is it supposed to be well, Smee, or is it just supposed to? It plays into the final things that Tinkerbell tells him before she flies away, which is basically like she'll always be there in between being awake and dreaming Mm -hmm. and so that's cryptic i was wondering (laughs) i watch you when you sleep you creep i was wondering if like the idea here was to kind of blur the lines of what neverland is is if neverland is real or if everything was just a dream i mean it obviously in this movie is real because then eventually Peter gives the marbles to Toodles and they have fairy dust in them and he goes flying off. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to Neverland. It's like, what is he going to do there? No one cares, Toodles. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> you old creep. No kidding. Go back to sleep. But like, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of one of the issues. Like I said, a common refrain with this movie is why isn't this clearer? But like, you know, with something like this, maybe it's intentionally like, oh, why is me this guy? Yeah. I don't know. But, like, are the people in Neverland just projections of other people? Because this is, like, a real deep dive of an Easter egg. All but right. the captain's voice on the plane is Dustin Hoffman. Oh, yeah, I don't know. But I don't know if, I, I don't know if that could actually mean anything or if that's just supposed to be a funny little wink and a nod kind right, of thing. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, like, what is happening? Who knows? But Smee is there. And uh-huh. then it's just like he walks away. He's not Smee, though. He's just some guy. What does he say to him? He's like, oh, have a fight with the missus like, because oh, he's sleeping boy, outside. Yeah. He's like, well, she's going to be mad now or whatever. Or yeah. if you didn't already, she's going to be mad now because he, he assumes that Peter's just been sleeping off a 
bender or something out in the yard. <laughs> Who is he, me? Yeah. <laughs> so then he finds his cell phone. <laughs> well, that's irrelevant. So Toodles pieces out, and then someone's like, oh, I guess your adventures are over, Peter. And he says to live would be an awfully big adventure, which is kind of a play on uh, something that Peter says in the novel, which I think Hook says in this movie, which is to die would be an awfully big adventure. Yeah, okay. But... So that there you have it. There's the movie. Yeah, um, it's good stuff. A lot of cameos. Uh, Kelly Rowan, Kirsten from the OC. <laughs> does that constitute as a cameo? It does to us. Okay, yeah. She plays Peter's mother, which, God, she must have been... Talk about just underrated... Very young. Uh, female actresses from our lifetime. <laughs> yeah. She uh, never got enough I don't work. even know if I would say underrated, not rated, yeah. I would say. <laughs> By anyone. Um, Yeah, really left a lot out there. As we mentioned, David Crosby and Jimmy Buffett are just random pirates. I don't even know what Jimmy Buffett looks like. Uh, No one does. Um, (laughs) Glenn Close in drag is also a pirate, and that scene is actually fairly disturbing. Yeah. As, like, Hook accuses one of the pirates of not believing in him, (laughs) and he picks out... He picks out... uh, I think the, the name of the pirate is credited as Gutless. <laughs> and eventually uh, he cracks, and so he gets thrown into the boo box, which is basically a trunk that has a little slot in it that they drop live scorpions in, Yeah, which seems horrifying. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> and then one of the more random ones... Anything with insects, really. Do you count scorpions as insects? I believe, yeah. Or not? I don't know. I mean, they they might actually be categorized as that, but I don't really think of them as that. Yeah. I just think of them as evil beings yeah, in and of the, demonic like, on their own creatures. thing. Yeah. And then George Lucas and Carrie Fisher are a kissing couple on the bridge early in the film. That when she first uh, Tinkerbell's first carrying Peter to Neverland, she sprinkles some fairy dust on them, and they kind of levitate while they're kissing on the bridge. Right. Yep. Now it's very cutesy. Yes. The uh, Obviously, George Lucas, good friends with uh, Steven Spielberg, and Carrie Fisher was kind of who Steven was originally modeling the Tinkerbell character after, and I think he was also she considering... She was meant to be a lesbian? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> um, I think he was... I, I'm not 100% sure, but I think she was maybe going to play the part at one point. I don't know. Ah. Turns out that she did some uncredited rewriting of some of, of the script. Whoa. So she, you know, get her had, a credit. She's definitely, uh, you know, Story involved with Carrie this one. Fisher, yeah. Um, so the film itself is a film that Spielberg has kind of said a couple times he wasn't really happy with. I think he said in an interview that maybe one day he would rewatch it and try to get through it. <laughs> oh boy. Um, it but his opinion, his opinion podcast? on it has kind of changed now in light of. Uh, Robin Williams passing because I think he actually became pretty close with Robin Williams and now he said that he tried to watch it and he couldn't get through it because he was like crying too much or something. Well, yes. But he feels happy that he got to make it now. We were too, but for a different reason. (laughs) Yeah, because we were relating to Tinkerbell (laughs) too much. (laughs) It's relating to Hook when he was trying to kill himself. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Hook kind of has this bad reputation, except I think for like people in our specific age demographic who yeah. grew up with it. It currently holds a thirty percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which obviously isn't like a full 
score because when they right. do like that archived reviews and stuff, it never is that many. It's not like the 200 that they get for yeah, new yeah, movies yeah. now. Right. But, you know, the Metacritic score and all that stuff is pretty low. I mean, it's kind of, it got a lot of harsh reviews, which you can kind of pick through on Wikipedia or different places. I still think but, there's a lot of good stuff here. Yeah, I mean, it's there are tons of flaws with the movie, yeah. and some of it does seem like Spielberg was kind of sleepwalking through parts of it. There's not the usual attention to detail, and the story itself isn't as tight as it should be. But Although one of the things that I read that he said about it is like, and we talked about him not being happy with the look of Neverland and stuff, and yeah, Where the Lost Boys Lives... Is kind of generic. Yeah, it, it looks could kind be of better. Dumb. But I did, you know, he kind of spoke about if he had made it later, he would have used like CGI for Neverland. I mean, I think he was probably thinking more along the lines of like an Avatar type world or something, something more. Well, that looks horrible too. So, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. the whole right. world is yes. something, and not just like most of the Lost Boys world is brown. Like yeah. it's just generic mm-hmm. nothingness. Really, I think he was expect he wanted it to be more of like this. Uh, electric jungle yes right something um <laughs> rainforest i don't yeah, know yeah, yeah. so let's talk a little bit before How we much go time do you think we have left <laughs> we got time okay a little bit about uh the original source material and kind of what some of these things might mean and because ha- this kind of I, I think it ultimately kind of impacts like how you view hook because okay. it's all a continuation yes. of the same stuff in some of the original uh versions uh pan is kind of almost more portrayed as like a villain and child abductor really just kind of yeah taking kids to neverland he actually recruits the other lost boys in some early versions i don't know i i think that predate the main novel um okay the whole peter pan history is kind of a yeah the story was around before well there's just like it exists. He was created by J.M. Barry, but like he was in different novels and stuff oh, okay. first, and then there were different versions of his manuscript that existed that didn't get published, but that people know about. And, mm-hmm. You know, his big quote was "To die would be an awfully big adventure," which is kind of a weird, fucked up thing for yeah. a kid to say because it wasn't until the '50s and like Disney got involved that Pan's age got bumped up to like 13. Originally. He was younger. So even younger, cutting uh, adults' hands off. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the age was, but I, I I would guess more in like the 9 to 10 range right. rather okay. than a teenage, early teenager. So in Neverland, you could view the crocodile as a metaphor for time because of the clock and Captain Hook as a metaphor for death. And these are the two things that the ageless pan is always striving to avoid. And you could also factor in that Hook is avoiding time, too, um, because he's always on the run from this crocodile. Yeah. It's almost like the like it kind of plays into this suspended animation thing where they're existing in this world that never ends, but it could possibly end if you get killed by yeah. Hook or the crocodile. <laughs> Some interpretations are that Neverland is kind of like heaven or... Purgatory. That it exists as a dream world that, lost. that sick children go to in their minds and some never get the chance to come back home because they don't get better. Oh. 
like sick orphans in a hospital. That's a bummer. Yeah, like that kind of thing. Because it's you know it's always tied in with orphans. It's always tied oh, yeah. in with they need uh, something. Yeah, things like that. Because they all just want parents. Yeah, because I mean, J. M. Barry created the story to tell to these three uh, kids that he was friends with their parents, and then the parents died, and then he kind of like took the kids in, kind of thing. And he, these are stories he made up for them, and that's where it all springs from. Who knows? But that's like kind of the fun thing about stuff like this is like there's a lot of different interpretations and nothing is ever kind of set in stone and so it's kind of like all waves is for whatever reason this particular story kind of turned into like a perfect vessel for you know countless interpretations yeah including lost girls which gets brought up a lot in the wikipedia <laughs> article oh, really <laughs> it gets mentioned I several think times that, that would be something we'd ever talk about we're not going to I don't even want to explain what it is but if yeah. you're curious just google uh Lost Girls by Alan Moore. Right. Writer of The Watchmen and yeah. or Watchmen. Uh V for Vendetta. Yes. And very Killing Joke and various other famous Swamp things. things. <laughs> a version of Anyway, um this was a long one. Probably not that entertaining. <laughs> I don't know. I think there's some stuff there. Yeah, I mean Watch Hook for yourselves. I mean, yeah, it's a fucking long movie, and there's a lot crammed in there. Yeah, to think about. I still, I still like the premise for the movie. I wonder if it had been more successful if there would have been like other kind of weird spins, like you know, bringing to life some of these older animated movies to live action and putting like just this kind of weird reimagined, you know, universe to it. Well, I mean, isn't that what Disney's doing now? All right, so it all worked out for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't all right. know. I mean, yeah, the last Hook movie that came out, not Hook, you know, Peter Pan. The one with Allison Williams? or No, 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 that doesn't count. Oh, the, oh, Pan. Yeah, Pan. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, nobody saw that. Yeah, it didn't look great. No, me. it was supposed to be a prequel to okay. Peter Pan. Yeah. I think. All right. But he's a character in it, right? <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah, but I mean a prequel to the first story yeah, okay. that we all know already. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I probably have to check that out at some point. All right. Eventually. All right, folks. Uh like we said, next week's episode will be a little late, but don't panic. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> There'll be just riots in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> no new episode. What? Yeah. Um follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod and you know, just continue listening. We appreciate it. Absolutely. We love each and every one of our listeners. Yes. We want to make sweet love to them. Well. <laughs> individually of, and in group sessions. A lot of dude love going on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of ladies in this club. Well, <laughs> I'm sure there's some. Yeah, I mean, if you are a lady and you listen, tell some other girls, <laughs> please. Yeah, they'd be horrified. <laughs> I don't know. I think girls are allowed to like movies. Yeah, I think so, too. And smart guys talking about them. Well, yeah, I mean, if anything, it's like, you know. Do you know any? Could we, they come onto the show, please, to out talk of the, about movies? The two pan kids, it's like we were way more putting over Maggie as, like, the smart, normal one, and Jack is, like, the fucking dolt idiot. 
I mean, neither of them act like how you would think a normal kid would act in this situation, but at least Maggie's somewhat based in reality. Like, right. Jack is just like, what is going on with this dude? Maggie just wanders around with all these scary old dudes and just like singing melodic songs. And they all start weeping. Yeah. That's the other funny part about that song sequence is the pirates are just crying. Well, I understand that. I listen to a lot of Adele. Oh, God. All right. Uh, it's been a long one. I guess we aren't going to keep you any longer. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. artist and consultant to designer uh, Mark Echo. Oh, he was arrested for spray painting subway cars in Brooklyn. You know, I'm a fan of the graffiti because I was an old school graffiti artist myself. My specialty was the peace sign, just the word the who, the backwards slot sticker, it right, I draw the road runner, just the word the who, repent 13, just the word the who. Yeah, those, those type of things. It's a guerrilla movement, that's the way it goes. And it's the art getting up, getting known. And then you take that vehicle and you go all the places once they know you. The higher you can tag something, the more respect you're going to get. The more outlandish you tag, the more respect you're going to get in the community. I know a person, everywhere they go, they tag Mighty Horse Rocks the Fat Ass. Mighty Horse Rocks the